Hello and welcome to the Tillage Age with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. As the weather turns to a more wintry feel this week, the cold weather will prompt farmers to look around the yard for tasks which should be completed before the weather gets any worse. Frost or freezing water can play havoc in all machines which can hold water. Whether these are engines, pumps or other machines, they're all susceptible. This week I'm delighted to chat to Dermot Forrestal from Chagas and Oak Park to chat about getting machines winter ready with a special focus on sprayers. Dermot, you're very welcome to the podcast. Dermot, with the frosts coming over the last few days, you might give us an idea about what sort of machines are at risk at the start of the winter so we can kind of get them to the end of the winter in the same condition. Well, I suppose anything that, that can be damaged by frost, so anything that has uh, water really uh, in them. So sprayers really come to mind as, as, as probably being the big one, uh, but also any tractors with coolant or whatever in them. Again, sometimes it's, and it's the older tractor maybe that, that leaks a lot during the summer or something like that. Its antifreeze may have uh, effectively been gone and they're, they're also at risk. So, but the sprayer is probably the big one. Okay, so if we concentrate on the sprayers maybe for a moment, um, any idea how low temperatures need to go, if you like, before a farmer should be worried about it? I mean, does the odd, um, you know, frost of minus one or minus two, is that to be of worry or, or does it need to go lower than that? Yeah, I, th- I think once it, once it goes below zero, there's always a, a slight risk. But like in reality, uh, a single frost that goes to minus one or minus two, followed by, you know, back to warmer conditions again before the next one of those isn't going to create a problem. But I think what does create a problem is when you get to this time of year and from this time on, uh, if you get successive cold nights, if you get the one-off big frost, it, it will, of course, cause damage, uh, particularly if the machine is outside and, and loses its temperature very, very quickly. But uh, even if the machine is inside, um, if you start to get accumulation of frosty nights where heat has been lost each time and, you know, that, that, that body... Uh, of the machine is progressively getting cooler, then you're at risk. So then even if you get minus two or minus three consistently in an unprotected machine, but you consistently get it over a week, it can cause damage. And when you mentioned uh, going inside, does that mean a shed that is kind of fully covered in, is in the doors closed, closed down in the front of it and all that kind of thing? Or is it um, just cover over the top or what, what do you think? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it does depend very much, Michael, on, on the type of shed and also the type of weather that you're going to get, whether it's prolonged or not. So you're, you're dead right. If you have cover over your head, it's probably of no value at all. You know, you can imagine yourself sleeping out that night in, a, in an open hay barn with no sides, you're going to get very cold. So uh, the machine is going to lose heat in the very same way. Uh, you know, uh, the counter to that is, you know, a fully closed in shed or a shed with insulating material. In other words, if you spa- park your sprayer in beside a, a bench of hay, if people still had that or straw or something like that, that's over, obviously going to take an awful lot longer to cool down. I might, you know, you might have a situation where it heats up a little bit during the day and you never have a freezing risk. But even even a shed that has fully closed down sides that doesn't have heat retaining materials in it, the temperature will over time decline in that. I mean, even our own houses will freeze internally uh, if there isn't a heat source there. So the the shed, certainly closed shed, will protect from short-term frost, I suppose, um, if if, if it has, uh, you know, walls at the side or something like that, but not long-term. Or if you have a week's frost, it is, you know, slowly the heat will will disappear and the item will cool down to what the surrounding temperature is. 
Okay. So before maybe we get into, and obviously we'd be thinking about probably antifreeze for that uh, in, in terms of putting into a sphere, but before we get to that, are there other jobs a, a farmer should be looking at after a long season of spraying just before the, the, the sprayer is put away for the year, if you like? Yeah, look, I think it's a great time, you know, because you're going to look, if you are going to look at the sprayer in terms of putting in antifreeze, it's a great time to look at it in terms of, you know, what does it need uh, to be repaired on it at this stage. And remember now that an awful lot of the sprayers that were tested for the, the sustainable use directive testing requirement are coming up to a time where they need to be tested again over the next season. Some of them, their cert would be out of date at the moment, actually. So it is a great time to, to look at that. So you're looking at the sprayer the very same way as you would for a test, because that's what you need for good spraying anyhow. So again, the, the quick things to do are look very, very quickly for leaks and drips, right? From any parts, hoses, nozzles, anti-drip valves, um, parts like that. You're looking for, you know, the boom to be level, the nozzles to be pointing in the right direction, and indeed the output from the nozzles to be correct. So a good quick test of all of that, if you have the sprayer on the tractor getting it ready to go in for the winter, to actually test this time of year makes a lot of sense. And of course, to test the pressure gauge as well. You know, you say, can a farmer test the pressure gauge? He can, because if you have good nozzles on the sprayer and you're getting the wrong output from those nozzles, the pressure gauge is the one to look at. So it's a great time to look around that. You have a bit of time to get it fixed up. Uh, for our future tests. It's a good time of year to buy parts as well, maybe um, from a taxation perspective. Uh, we've had a good year in tillage, so it's a good time of year maybe to, uh, to, to buy those parts. Next year, fertilizer is going to take your, your profit out of it. So this year might be the good one to update the sprayer. Okay, so there's a, there's a good few uh, elements there to be looked at even before we get into it. But I suppose maybe switching back to um, antifreeze and, and, and protecting the sprayer against frost, are there different types of antifreeze and is there a specific one that should be used in sprayers? Yeah, look, there, there are different types of antifreeze. It's a matter of fact, if you, if you went to, uh, in some markets, you'll find they'll even spray, they'll even sell sprayer antifreeze uh, for it. But really, any, any uh, car antifreeze will do the job. Um, some of the, the specific sprayer types that they, they, they market in other markets would claim that they'll do less damage to the seals and that. But to be honest, most car antifreezes are working in an environment that they're working in hoses, their seals and water pumps and so on. So, you know, most of these antifreezes actually will actually probably protect the, the seals and things. So I wouldn't be too concerned from that perspective. So an, a normal commercial antifreeze would do. I wouldn't spend extra to buy it as pre-mixed coolant because you spend a lot more money to buy it as a pre-mixed coolant. You might consider that for your tractors and that, where uh, there are other corrosion risks that, that, that the pre-mixed coolant would protect you from, but that's certainly not needed in the sprayer. There's no need as well to spend extra for these OAT, uh, organic acid type um, antifreezes. So a good basic ethylene glycol type antifreeze would be the one to go for and buy it as a concentrate so that you can uh, dilute it to, to the, the required amount. Okay, that's fairly straightforward. So then in terms of the procedure then for taking that antifreeze and stick it into a sprayer, is there, is there recommendations for smaller or larger sprayers? How much water should we put in? And I suppose maybe uh, how do you know there's enough of left in the pump that, to make sure that that actually is protected? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit difficult um, because, you know, you can never empty a sprayer completely. You know, in terms of the amount that you want to have in, I think what you want to have in is enough to get that you can get spraying pressure and, um, you know, that you can run the sprayer and get your spraying pressure up and you can get uh, you have enough 
in the tank that it, you will see the colored antifreeze. If you're going to spray it out through the nozzles, now you don't necessarily have to, but that if you do spray it out through the nozzles, that it'll get to all of the nozzles. So that's the quantity that you require uh, in it. Now, you know, the best thing to do is try and get rid of all the water from the sprayer first. In other words, uh, to open everything, you know, to, to wash out the sprayer first of all, right? And I would, again, I didn't mention cleaning filters and that. That should really be part of it as well. Get all those filters cleaned and all of that before thinking of doing this. Wash out the sprayer completely. Put through a bit of all clear extra or something like that as well. Good time to do that. But then drain it absolutely completely. Try and get as most water out as possible because then, you know, you'll have some guide as to um, how concentrated to mix um, your antifreeze to. So when you have that done, it's a matter of putting in the antifreeze and, and, and enough water to give it the correct concentration. In a sprayer, 30% concentration is probably more than enough um, with most of the, the antifreeze, the concentrated antifreeze products, but be guided by what's on the can. But you're looking for protection down to probably about minus 12 as being the max that you're going to get in our environment. So that's the concentration you're looking for. So I would imagine you would put in a little, you know, you put it into the sprayer more concentrated than that. In other words, don't put enough water to bring it to the 30%. Maybe you could bring it to 50% because you can assume there's a fair bit of water still hanging around in parts of that sprayer that you're not going to get to. In terms of the volume, probably for a trail sprayer, you're going to probably want to end up with, you know, 30, 40 litres at least in the sprayer of the mixed solution uh, to allow you get it uh, through all parts of the sprayer. Um, a very big trail sprayer might need more, uh, maybe up 50, 60 litres. A mounted sprayer, maybe 20 litres. But uh, to be honest, if you're really good with a mounted sprayer and it's not a huge boom, you might get away, you know, with a little bit less than that. So you're talking about maybe the smallest sprayers, one five litre can of concentrate. You might just about get away with it. But bigger sprayers, you're probably talking about, you know, 10 litres of concentrate and mixing that up or even a little bit larger than that. OK, OK, that's there. That, that's that, that's good. Um... Uh, a good tips there, certainly in terms of um, the water that's already in the sprayer to make sure you kind of take uh, take a view on that. It's just really important that when you do it, that you open, you know, every circulation part of the sprayer, that you open up all the different, you know, a sprayer has a number of valves and a number of different components from induction hoppers, uh, you know, water rinse tanks and so on. Ideally, you know, you should have a bit of antifreeze going through all of those so that, you know, you're protecting all the areas. But of course, the pump is the most important. And when you're talking about all those areas, you mentioned earlier around the spray lines, is it or is there a need really to get the antifreeze into the spray lines? Uh, yes, I think there probably is. Um, you know, again, if that spray line, you know, had, you know, had water in it, just pure water in it, it, it can cause damage. So, um, you know, it's not going to be calamitous damage in the way of a pump, but it can do something. So I would say if you can't blow out the line, now, some sprayers, you know, there's even there's even some of the bigger sprayers have air lines. Uh, you, they can effectively blow out uh, lines. And if they can do that, then there's probably no need. But if you can't be sure of that, it might be as well uh, get antifreeze through that. Now, some people will be concerned, and rightly so, um, if you're spraying antifreeze through a sprayer, the, the wash water should not be going straight into a drain, you know, so you need to be very careful from that perspective. And if you do want to get it through all parts of the of, of a, a spray line, you probably do need to spray it out some way. You could alternatively open the end cap. If you have an end cap on each boom section, put a bucket on it and run your antifreeze into the booms, into the into the boom lines that way. 
and then you know recap the end of the boom and just spray out a small bit out through the nozzles that would effectively get all the solution into the lines that way without having a lot sprayed onto concrete going into a, a drain or something like that but that's you know that's taken a lot of precautions but i i would prefer if you can't get the, the any line empty um it probably is best best to have some of the solution in it but you're right look the, the most expensive items are the pump uh, and you know some of the control valves and stuff near the pump and that they're the ones you really want to protect most so then you know so uh, say a, a farmer then gets that already puts the sprayer back in it's all kind of ready and set to go um i suppose the problem is sometimes that the sprayer will be pulled out again perhaps in february if, if, if people have oil seed rate there might be a bit of fungicides uh, to be done there or, or perhaps even early march and um, back into some of the cereals even at that stage, it can be significant frost after that stage. Um, so can that antifreeze that we talked about a second ago, can that be recycled? Can that be taken out? Or is it even practical to take it out and, and recycle it back again? Yeah, it can be recycled. Uh, I'd say two things. One is by the time you have it done properly, there probably won't be an awful lot in it that you'll be able to capture easily afterwards. You know, because uh, as I say, you know, if you've done it properly, you've put in the, probably the minimum amount, and during the process, most of that that will come out easily. It'll come out. It will come out that way. So the only way you'll get it out is to kind of rinse it out with more water, at which time you're diluting it. But just remember, whatever you do capture, whatever you do take out, that's now a more dilute product. And again, you're, when you're putting that back in, you probably want to add another bit of concentrate along with it, because again, there's going to be more water in it from, from that spraying operation that you've done in the meantime. So there's no problem reusing it, but just to top it up again with concentrate to get the concentration and the volume that you had, a lot of that has probably been used to, 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 to some extent if you have sprayed, out, sprayed some of it out. So it's going to be hard to get it back out of it. Use with caution anyway, if you, if you do manage to get it into it. Into oh, a, if you can get it out, there's absolutely no problem reusing it. But as I say, top it up maybe with a bit of concentrate, you know. So then, uh, so I suppose maybe along the same lines then when you're, uh, I suppose maybe when a farmer's getting set and ready to get back out into a field uh, in terms of washing out that antifreeze, they've drained out as much as they can. There's some still left in the lines. Is there potential damage that can be done with that out onto crops or how well should that be washed out before? It would make sense to wash it out. I don't think it would be particularly damaging, to be honest, if it's diluted or whatever, but it would make sense, I think, to, to, to give that a small rinse out. In other words, what's in the bottom, uh, you know, run it out of the sprayer some way, collect it if you want at the ends of booms or, you know, through the normal tap from the tank if there's a bit in the bottom of the tank uh, I would certainly try and get rid of it and uh, and give it a small rinse if you like uh, through it there's no need to fill the tank or anything like that but a small rinse out would be sensible okay so I suppose look uh, Dermot there's probably you mentioned at the very start there's um, uh, there's other things like tractors and, and that kind of thing you might maybe just have a quick word before we finish up maybe is there something in specific that um, farm, but farmers should be looking at to make sure that they're protected yeah, look, I think, again, the, the same thing applies to tractors, but I think it's a little bit more uh, tricky. You need to be careful nowadays uh, that you put in the correct antifreeze in your tractor because the antifreeze now, what's very important in, in terms of engines are the kind of anti-corrosion additives and things that are in there. And there are different types of antifreeze, some of them very long life antifreeze products that have high levels of anti-corrosion, but some of these don't mix particularly well with others. So you do need to kind of consult with your uh, manual as to what type of antifreeze is in there and possibly to check as well by looking at it 
Now, there are different colors on all of them, but they are not necessarily the best guide. But the, the one different one, this OAT type of organic acid technology, they traditionally, you know, your Volkswagen cars have that kind of pinkish reddish uh, liquid that's that particular type that doesn't mix particularly well with a very basic other type of antifreeze so you need to be very careful with that but so it is good to check your tractors again the tractor that had a water leak during the summer don't forget that you might have been continuously diluting the the antifreeze in that you can of course get antifreeze testers which is a basic um uh, hydrometer it's measuring the density uh, of the material so they they can be used to check for antifreeze there Outside of the antifreeze, the other thing, of course, that comes up at this time of year are batteries, whether it's cars, vans, tractors or whatever, the pressure suddenly comes on batteries. And again, you need to be very careful. Um, obviously, you can charge your battery or whatever, but with modern alternators and that, that's usually not the problem. So if the battery is near the end of life, again, be very careful um, in terms of matching the new battery to 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 that type. It's not just a case of making sure that the poles and the physical dimensions are the same, but that the battery has the same starting power or the cold cranking amp delivery. There's a CCA figure on those batteries. And you usually need to kind of respect that. So if you have a, a certain cold cranking capacity battery, a certain, and that's the amount of power can deliver to the starter, you need to be checking that that's enough for the, the tractor that it matches the battery that was already in it or better again go back and check the instruction manual and see what the, the minimum cca or cold cranking ability um uh, should 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 have been so it's important to match battery types Dermot, you're a mind of information and i think we could probably talk all day and you could certainly talk all day about some of these various different areas but look we might just leave it at that i think we've probably covered the major elements of it um, so Dermot, thanks very much for your time and look, we might touch base with you again if the, if the weather turns for the worst and if there's a few more bits and pieces to be done. Thanks Dermot. Okay Michael, thanks very much. So that's it for the Tillage Edge and my thanks to Dermot for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget, if you like the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague and as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.